Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're going to talk today about the issue of Jesus being born of a virgin. Now, I'm not going to talk in a sense of a theological or a scientific type of message, so don't worry, you don't have to shut your mind off or get bored. But I'm going to talk about the prophecy pertaining to it. Because I think it has some implications for you and I today as far as our lives today. You know, we live in an interesting world today. All you have to do is just turn on the news. All you have to do is look at your bank accounts. All you have to do is look at them, open up the mailbox and see all the bills that are coming. All you have to do is measure your own frustration level or see the frustration level of others around you. And really, we live in troubled times, don't we? When you turn on the news, you hear about this enemy and that enemy of our country. When you look at your bank account and the bills that are coming in, you realize that the economy is not going well. That maybe there are issues that are going on in your life. Maybe there are marital struggles. Maybe there are relationship struggles. Maybe struggles at work. And the reality is, is that the frustration level is pretty high. Now add to that mix the Christmas season. Add to that mix this time of year when your schedule is packed with all kinds of activities. You're thinking about your weight and there's no way you can do it this month. Because it's coming. Dinners. I'm thinking even of tonight. Cheese ball. His family's coming over tonight. I haven't had a cheese ball this year. I'm kind of disappointed. You know, and, you know, and so the point is, is that think about all of that stress that's coming into your life and the frustration level and think about the fact that where is God in the midst of all of that? For some of us here today, I'll be very honest with you, God's not even on the picture. For some of us here today, you maybe are disappointed with God. For some of us here today, you wonder if God's even there. And so in the midst of all of this, I want us to look at a passage, a couple of passages. We're going to look at Isaiah 7 most of the time. But I wanted to communicate to you the meaning of Christmas, first of all. I want to read from Matthew, Matthew's Gospel. In the first chapter of Matthew's Gospel, he writes, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which was conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with the child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Now I want you to look at Isaiah 7, because we're going to look at that prophecy today. We're going to look at the context of that prophecy, and we're going to see 
what that prophecy should mean to you and I today as it was basically fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at verses 1 through 17 of Isaiah chapter 7. Now remember, this took place 800 years before Jesus came. Now it came to pass in a day of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, son, king of Syria, and Pekad, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went against Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim. So his heart and the heart of the people were moved as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out and meet Ahaz, you and Sher Jezeb, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrand, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the sons of Remaliah, because Syria and Ephraim and the son of Remaliah have plotted evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves, and set a king over them, the son of Tabal. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass, for the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is risen. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken, so that it will not be a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remelan's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Moreover, the Lord again, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in depth or in height above. But Ahaz says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he will eat, and he may know to refuse evil and choose the good. Before this child shall know to refuse evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both kings. And the Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people in your father's house. Days that have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah. You know, as we consider the whole issue of Christmas and the prophecy of the child that would come, I want us to step back 800 years and learn a lesson that has implications for you and I today that is the setting for the prophecy. Because as we consider the prophecy of the child that would come, that we already know has come, that we already know has come, I want us to understand the message of Jesus coming, of Emmanuel, God with us. Because the setting of the prophecy being given has implications for you and I today in the world in which we live in. So I want us, first of all, notice the need to trust. We see that in the first 13 verses. The need to trust. First of all, I want you to notice in verses 1 and 2 that as we consider when this prophecy was given, the people of Israel, they lived in fear. They lived in fear. 
And here's what they were afraid of. The people of Judah and Jerusalem had heard about two kings, two enemies, the northern kingdom of Israel, which was their enemy, and the Syrians in Damascus, and that they were aligning themselves together, and they were forming an allegiance to come and wipe off Judah, to wipe it out and to set up a new king. And so they were afraid, and so they lived in fear. And I want you to notice what verse 2 said. This is how afraid they were. That's what it says. So his heart, meaning the king of the heart's the king's heart, and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the wood were moved with the wind. Here's how afraid they were. You ever went out into the forest, like going in a fall and the wind's blowing, and you notice the trees, how the trees all move in one direction. If the wind's blowing this way, the trees all bend in that way. If the the wind shifts, then they bend this way. And whichever way the wind is moving, that's how they're bending. The trees are moving together. It's kind of an eerie thing when you're out there and you hear those oaks and those hardwoods kind of creaking and moving and stuff, isn't it? Because the wind is blowing them. For those of you guys who hunt, you know what I'm talking about. You're, You're out there and the wind's just blowing through those trees. And the trees really can't do anything about it. They're at the mercy of the wind. So here's what he's saying. Isaiah is saying, that's how fearful the people were. Whatever the situation was, that was causing them to move in a different direction. That was causing them to move in a different direction than they wanted to. You know what? Not unlike today, isn't it? When you consider your life and you consider all that's going on, Maybe you're going through some economic hardships. Maybe you're going through some family difficulties. When you consider what our nation is facing, fear is the number one thing that we struggle with, isn't it? We are so afraid of what might happen. And so we, collectively, like people, are being moved one direction or another by the winds of the difficulties around us. And that's what was happening to them. They lived in fear. You and I live in fear, don't we? We're so afraid of what might happen. It's interesting, though, they say that 90% of what we fear never happens. But you're saying, well, what about the 10%, George? I'm worried about the 10%. You know, so we, we live in fear. They lived in fear back then. And then I want you to notice that what happened, if you look at verses 3 and 4, God tells Isaiah, in light of this, to go and meet the king. I have a message for the king. Go and meet the king. And here's what his message is. His message to the king is is that God called them not to fear. God called them not to fear. Notice what he said, verse 3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out and meet Ahaz. And then verse 4. And say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted about those two stubs of smoking firebrand. He's saying, Look, Ahaz, don't you worry about those two kings. Don't you worry about them. You don't fear. So God was calling them to trust. Can I ask you a question? He's calling you to trust. Are you? Or are you consumed with whatever it is that you're facing right now? Are you consumed with this circumstance? Well, George, you don't understand. You don't know what's going on. I, you know, And if this happens, you don't know what my next year is going to be like. You're right, I don't. But are you sure yourself? I'm not sure of anything. Really? You can be sure of one thing. God. You can be sure of His love for you. You can be sure of He's there for you. See, He called them not to fear. 
He called this nation who was facing terrible circumstances, who was facing basically the threat of annihilation, who was facing basically, can I be honest with you, and it's not like today where an army rolls in or whatever. When an army rolled in there, they destroyed everything. They raped everybody. They killed everybody. That's how terrible it was in those days. And so they lived in fear. And God says, don't fear. Don't worry about those two smoking brands, he said. He called them not to fear. Why? Verse 5 through 9. He gives and says exactly what's going to happen. And then notice at the end of verse 9, he says, If you will not believe, he said, surely you shall not be established. Here's the next point. They were called to trust in God. Trust in God. See, the establishment and security in your life in the midst of everything that's going on in your life, even when it looks gloomy, even when it looks like, oh my goodness, how am I going to get through this? You're going to be established in your life because you trust in God and He will see you through it. In fact, just think for a moment. How many other things has He brought you through? How many other difficulties have you faced that when you rested in God, He brought you through them? Oh, but this time's a lot worse. Well, that's what you said the last time. He brought you through at that time, didn't he? How quickly we forget, isn't it? How quickly we forget the grace of God and how he carries us through the thing. And, and this is what God is saying to them. Look, if you don't believe, you won't be established. And here, he was literally talking about the kingdom of David would not be established. Which would happen later on down the road. You ever wonder if the Lord really knows what you want and need? See, He calls us to trust Him. He called them to trust Him. And then I want you to notice when you look at verse 10 and 11, Moreover, the Lord spoke again saying, Ask a sign for yourself and from the Lord your God. Ask it either in depth or in height above. Here's what God wanted to do. God wanted to strengthen their faith. God wanted to strengthen their faith. See, he knew Ahaz was wavering. And even in spite of the fact that he told Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah that these kings are not going to conquer you. You don't need to worry. You're going to be okay. God says, look, ask of me anything you want from height or depth. Anything you want. I will do it to show you that this is going to happen. I want to strengthen your faith, Ahaz. You ask of me and I'll do it. See, God wanted to strengthen their faith. My friends, God wants to strengthen your faith. God wants to strengthen your faith. He wants you to trust Him. And He wants to answer prayers in your life. He wants to be there for you in such a way that He would strengthen your faith to carry you through whatever will happen. See, that was how the sign happened. That was the sign, the prophecy. The prophecy came about because God wanted to strengthen the faith of His people. My friends, that's what Christmas is about. God wanted to strengthen the faith of His people through the coming of His Son. That's why we celebrate it. It's not for the ham or the turkey or whatever it is you're going to be roasting. It's not for the eggnog. It's not for the cheese balls, although that's a nice addition. It's not for any of that stuff. It's not for the gifts that you give and you give with one hand waiting for one to come back. That's not the reason why. God wants to strengthen our faith. But the problem is, is this. Notice what happened. Look with me now, verse 12. 
But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. And look at how God responds. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Here's the point. They simply did not believe. They didn't believe. That's the context of the sign. That's the context of the prophecy that would come. God's people being oppressed. God's people called to believe. God's people called to trust. God's people given an offer to strengthen their faith. But they wouldn't believe. Things haven't changed, have they? Today is the same situation, isn't it? God's people oppressed on every hand. God cries out and says, trust in me. Believe in me. Call on me. I will build up your faith. I will strengthen you. But we're like Ahaz. We don't believe. We simply will not believe. Have you ever noticed, before I move on with the rest of our passage, you ever noticed that we get so excited about Christmas? We just build up with anticipation for Christmas. Then it comes, and we rip open everything, and paper's everywhere, boxes are everywhere, toys are everywhere, food's everywhere. We get worn out. Then the next day, we're still empty. You say, oh, I still feel pretty full. i got lots of leftovers to eat the next day. I'm not talking about that kind of empty. But have you ever noticed that what we anticipated What we were longing for, when it's all over, we lay our head down on the night of the 25th, we get up on the 26th, we still got that same old emptiness, we're still facing the same old problems, we're still facing and dealing with the same old situations. We're empty. You ever notice that? Or am I the only one like that? Can I tell you what it is? Because what should have been fulfilling to us wasn't a part of it. And what should have been fulfilling for us was the sign of Emmanuel. Notice with me. Notice with me verse 14. Therefore the Lord Himself, the Lord Himself will give a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. But you know what? That's the reason why we're missing is because what we're believing, we're not believing in what we should be believing. We've got a problem with believing. In fact, listen to what Oswald Chambers says in My Utmost for His Hiatus. Waiting for God to act is fleshy unbelief. It means I have no faith in Him. I wait for Him to do something in me so I may trust in that. But God won't do that because that is not the basis of a God and man relationship. See, he's already acted. He just wants us to believe. And here's what he wants us to believe. The sign of Emmanuel. The first thing Isaiah said to him is, look, you won't ask for a sign. I'll give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a child. And as you go on in that passage, and by the time that boy, because there's a near and far fulfillment of this prophecy, he says, by the time that boy will be able to choose between right and wrong, Those kings that you fear, O king, will be gone. All you got to do is just turn over a couple of chapters and Isaiah's wife gives birth to a child who has a weird name that I can't 
pronounced for you right now. It isn't a manual, but the passage tells us that by the time he was able to choose right and wrong, the two kings that Ahab feared were gone. But see, God had some another implication for that prophecy. It wasn't just for Ahaz. Matthew tells us it was for all of us. And so what I want you to see here is this, that God will confirm His Word. God will confirm His Word. You're having a problem trusting in Him. You have a problem in trusting in what He's saying to you. You just need to wait on Him because He will bring about what He said will happen. You just need to trust Him. And that's what He was saying. Look, you don't want a sign? I'll give you a sign. And by the time this boy, and He was speaking of His own son at that point, not realizing that He was speaking forth prophecy concerning a virgin that would conceive later on, He said, by the time this boy can choose right and wrong, you're not going to have a problem anymore. Not with those two kings, but you'll have a problem with somebody else. And then here's what He said. He will give a son named Emmanuel. God with us. Let's leave for a moment almost 3,000 years ago in Israel and let's transport ourselves back to Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. And let's talk for a moment about this prophecy because we've seen it fulfilled. We've heard it fulfilled through the one called Jesus Christ. God said that He would cause a virgin to conceive And to bear a son whose name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And here is the implication of that for you as it was for them back then. They refused to believe. And he said, I'm going to give you a sign. And the sign is a son whose name is God with us. So that you understand you are never alone with what you face. See, Christmas is not just the time in which we celebrate trees, in which we celebrate all the food and the presents and Christmas carols and hymns and we love them and everything. That's that's all just, can I be honest with you, that's just the trimmings of what really is happening. What really is happening is, is that we are celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ who would come, God in human flesh, to live among us, to die, and then ultimately go be raised from the dead, send His Holy Spirit, again, who is God, to live within us. So when you're facing the stuff that you're facing, and God is calling you to trust in Him, and He's calling you to believe in Him, and He's calling you and telling you He will build your faith, He says to you, I will give you a sign. Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. See, some of you here need to grasp that reality. You're not alone. You don't need to fear. God is with you. That's the significance. Can I be honest with you? When you look at all the other religions of the world and their concepts of God or God's Christianity is the only one with a God who is loving who will dwell with you. And some of us need to change our concept of God now. Christmas should allow us to change our concept of God to see Him and to realize, Lord, we are celebrating this because You sent Your Son 
to be with us. Isn't that awesome? He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Three things I want you to consider as we think about this Christmas season, as we think about this prophecy and its implications for you and I. Number one, are you overwhelmed by our world? Are you overwhelmed? The doctor just gave you a report that you didn't like? you got bill collectors knocking on the door, calling you? You've got difficulties at home? The boss riding you? Company says they're going to give you a pink slip? Seems to be the time of year when they usually do it, isn't it? Are you overwhelmed by the world in which you live in? Are you like those trees? Whichever the way the wind is blowing, you're moving with them. Because you're living in fear. Are you overwhelmed? Maybe you're even dreading who's coming for Christmas. Sometimes we can get that way, isn't it true? Oh no, i got to see them. Yeah, but it's only for a day. Are you fear? Are you living in fear? Are you overwhelmed by your fear? Here's the second point. God calls us to trust in Him. Look, can I be honest with you? The Christmas stuff is going to go in a box and we're going to find somewhere in that room to put it. And Christmas will be a memory of what's to come down the road. But my friends, it doesn't have to be that way with your relationship with God. He calls us to trust in Him. Not just now, not just today. He calls us to trust in Him every day. To live our lives in trust. God calls us to trust in Him. And here's the final point. Why? He has given us Emmanuel. He's given us Jesus. God with us because He's with you. Don't ever, ever get to the place where you believe the lie that you are alone and that He's not there with you. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't ever get to that place. Trust Him. Look, I'll be honest with you, I know. Some of you are saying, well, yeah, George, I trusted Him, but He didn't do what I wanted Him to do. And I'm mad at Him right now. I understand that. I got mad at my dad sometimes too because he didn't do what I wanted him to do. But he was still my dad. I'll give you a story. 16 years old. Got my driver's license. Dad and I were talking about getting a car. Now here's what I was thinking in terms of a car. I was thinking in terms of a 76 baby blue Nova. That's a cool car for a 16 year old boy, wasn't it? 1976, those were nice cars. My dad said, yeah, we'll get you a car. He was thinking in terms of other things. He was also thinking in terms of safety. So I was, I was home, got home from school, and sitting in there watching TV, and Dad came in and said, hey man, car's out in the driveway. All right, Dad! Bust out the door. Fall on my face. It was a 1975 male Jeep. Thanks, Dad. Why do you do that? Because he knew what I'd do with a Nova. And he knew what the insurance would be. And he knew what I couldn't do with that Jeep. See, some of you are angry with God. He didn't do what you wanted him to do. 
you have to rest that he has a better understanding. He has given us a manual. God with us. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.